Hi, Jeremy. Hi, Raphael. Uh, how's the weather over there? <laughs> well, that's all we do is talk about the weather. We're like, so yeah. Uh, yeah, it's nice. Uh, spring has finally sprung. What, what is spring like in Toronto? Well, it was like a blizzard uh, for a week and <laughs> minus, you know, four <laughs> degrees. It's only minus 400 in spring. <laughs> Yeah, but it's like in the teens, sunny, people are like wearing t-shirts, uh, all just like overnight it switched. Are Canadians, so. if it's above three degrees, they wear shorts? Uh, yeah, basically. But also the, there's the joke in Canada is there's only two uh, seasons. There's winter uh, for like uh, nine months and summer for like two months or something. I can't remember the joke. I think it's two Is weeks. summer kind of extreme? Like it's uh, uncomfortably hot? No, it can get that way, though, in like late July, mid-August. But it's really no, almost never uncomfortable. But it's not that New York thing where mm. you have all those movies of people. Like, no, but uh, people here will complain. It's like, it's 25 degrees. I'm roasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that's like the ideal temperature everywhere Because we, we planned the trip to Iceland in the summer to escape. Because New York can be a bit of a, they mm-hmm. call it an urban heat island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also it's smelly, a lot of garbage and stuff, right? Yeah, it's also windy, so that I don't. I think it's not as bad as people say. But mm-hmm. uh, the the Western Europe sort of London, Paris, Amsterdam weather, it's kind of fall all year, and then summer kind of feels like maybe spring in other places. Mm, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, yeah. What about how about you? What's up? Well, um, what's up? I installed this. Do you remember Steve Lambert, the artist? Mm, not Mike. I know. Yeah. Uh, sounds like Michael Lambert, the musician with Steve no, Lambert. No, with Steve Lambert. I think he was part of that graffiti <clears throat> research lab group. Oh, yes. Of course. Yeah, of course I do. And, yeah. and he, I think he was part of this project where they replaced ads with uh, art. Mm-hmm. It's and called a like, extension. Um, what's that one called? What's that called? Ad it's Art. Called? I Ad think. Art. In, yeah. And it's yeah. like a paint bucket is the logo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And... Um, he had also made this app called Self Control, where you can block uh, a list of websites that you specify. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been through a lot of different browser extensions that would block. Uh, so when I say a list of websites, you can make a list of websites that demand your attention, and you want to turn them off because you want to work for a while. Yeah. And so I had browser extensions, and then you set like, okay, I can only be on social media for sixty minutes per day. Uh, but that's the setting within the extension. But Chrome makes it really easy to disable an extension temporarily. So then you're like, oh, wait, I got to look up this trailer. And then you go down the rabbit hole again. Mm-hmm. And this self-control app is a Mac app that uh, blocks domain names at the system setting, mm-hmm. at the system level. It says, and like, what does it, it say? Like, shouldn't you be working? Is that the one or is that different? That, that's that's the browser extension. That's called mm-hmm. Stay Focused. And then oh, yeah. this one is a, is a, a system application. So you you start it and it really opens up the system dialog. It's like, oh, you need to enter your admin password because it's making changes to your system. And it also says that even if you restart your computer, if you've set it to block everything for five hours, it's still fi- you have to wait five hours. So it's... A, I was a bit nervous to use it, but now I've been using it and it's great. So, wow. So it's keeping yeah. you focused. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I think it's very different for you when in your daily routine because you're talking to a lot of people and so you don't have it. You don't have time anyways. But <laughs> yeah. if your main job is to sit and wait for ideas to come, it's very tempting to start browsing and uh, mm. yeah. 
Yeah, I'll say like um, I haven't. I don't really have a major issue with attention span uh, or like uh, or getting distracted on the internet. Um, mostly it used to be if I did, it was through Facebook, but I just stopped. You know, I just generally stopped using it um, <laughs> because it kind of became a wasteland. Yeah, but there are a couple distractions, and so I had a friend who I used to work with really closely, and he was really good at what he did. But you'd be in a meeting with him or talking to him about something, and he'd be looking at his phone at the same time. And like, finally, I was, you know, confront. I confronted him many times, but finally, I was like, ultimatum: like, you can't be doing this because you know I can't tell if you're listening. And he said it was because he was so he had so much spare brain capacity <laughs> mm. that he couldn't focus. Unless yeah, he was, unless he has several info streams. Yeah, at the same time. Yeah, and that makes sense. It, I, it reminds yeah. me of in in Star Trek: Next Generation. There's a scene of Data, and I think he's painting and he's listening to twelve symphonies at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, we, we could put that in the show notes. But it's a yeah, and they're like there are two types of people. I think when who need Data is an sci- android. He's an artificial yeah. human being. But like um, when I go to sleep, I need to listen to a radio show. Like I need um, something that, t- like some other information. Yeah, but uh, and the reason uh, this topic came up is because there was the Facebook hearings, and I think in general there is more and more research saying, hey, all this social media is not as innocent as we thought it was, and um, it's it's designed to be addictive. Et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. And I, I mean, this is not news, that it, we know, but maybe we can talk about our personal experience and what that means for art. And Yeah, I mean, some of it might be true, some of it might not, but it does have this distinct feeling of it's like 1950 and like nine out of ten doctors recommend cigarettes. <laughs> and then like the next day, there's like... Uh, yeah, but actually, and, and also at the time... It, it, when comic books came around, they're like, well, this is going to melt the children's brains. And then mm-hmm. uh, video games come around, or cartoons, and well, this is going to melt their brains. And then, so every so many years, there's an even trashier medium, and people are worried. It's true. And the brain is this, like, kind of, I mean, it's a very flexible, or, you know, organ. But I think, I think what's different now is people are saying a lot of the psychological studies of the brain are being used against us by, you know, various, like I know from designing software that we have a lot of that research at our disposal. That said, I'm always frustrated that my team's like not leveraging this like science of psychology. I'd be like, don't you know like, this, 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 and this about the human brain. Um, but it's not like that's entirely new because even working in design for, for like, you know, a couple decades now, there are certain principles, you know, around, color and contrast and all kinds of ways that we like we've always sort of manipulated behavior yeah and i want to zoom out a little bit Mm -hmm. about there's attention and uh, uh, companies that mine your attention but there's also the general idea of procrastination and creative work and i i think Mm. uh, as long as i can remember whenever i had to do homework I would postpone it until I had watched every TV show and cleaned up my room and organized my comic books. And because that's uh, the inspiration for your work, I don't know. Yeah, but it's like, oh, I really don't want to write this history report. So right, you, just, right, right. you just keep postponing and postponing, and then you're doing it in the morning before school, and you're like, oh, why did I just? Why did I not just do it yesterday? And because it didn't matter to you. No. But and but then going moving forward in time, it, um, at at the time, drawing was uh, not my main job. My main job was homework, mm-hmm. so the drawing would be the procrastination. But now the main job is 
the arts, and then you use other stuff as procrastination. And then yeah. it, there's, there's an availability of, of your interests that didn't exist before. Because before, I would leave MTV on in my room while making homework. Mm-hmm. And every now and then a cool video came on and you would drop everything and see like oh there's a new spike jones video or whatever yeah. or or this band that never gets played gets some airtime and now you, it's uh, now it's like everything you want at any time but i have the exact opposite problem which is like i have like an endless list of things i should be doing and therefore i'm always doing them and therefore i procrastinate vacation or procrastinate spare time and i think i would hazard to say that we're living in a society right now that has both problems, the one you're talking about, which is like procrastinating and not getting work done. And another portion of society that's addicted to work or overworked and uh, therefore is like unable to actually not be working. And that's why you have all these meditation yeah. apps now. And like, yeah. and, and, you know, the, and there's also the, the myth of work, which is mostly replying to notifications and you feel like you're working but you're just replying to info protocols. Yeah, and the feeling of work, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, has become like, it's almost like an entertainment or, you know, kind of... Gamified. uh, Well, yeah, it's gamified or it's like a a lifestyle choice. Like, I'm an entrepreneur and that's a lifestyle (laughs) thing. It's like, oh, what did you do today? I I had a breakfast meeting and then like a power lunch. And (laughs) And then a bicycle brainstorm. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like my ideation session in the park. Uh, and then I went, you know, and then I, and then this evening, like I did some power meditation just so that I yeah. could go to sleep or something. Well, yeah. we we were invited a few months ago to contribute to a podcast review podcast, mm-hmm. as you remember. Oh yes, and, and, and one of the podcasts we reviewed was was it Ezra Klein of Vox, and he interviewed someone about the idea of deep work. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of deep work is that you turn off all distractions and you're doing something that requires your full attention intensely. And by definition, deep work is uncomfortable. So it has to be that kind of thing where you're writing a novel and you're like, oh man, I don't know what to do for the next chapter. And it's painful. Mm -hmm. And the only way to do it is to turn everything off. And and since you work so much with people, it's a very different flow. No, I have to do that as well. But I think it's interesting for artists or people in the creative industry or anything. Here's my my point, and I don't know if this applies to you. It is so crystal clear to me when I turn off all external stimulation that I get better ideas. It's so clear. But at the same time, it's very boring and it's painful when I don't have ideas. So then... Very quickly, you even if I turn off the internet and I turn off the screens, and I'm like, hmm, uh, let's look at my socks and maybe I have to reorder them. And uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like anything, not to just sit and stare at a blank page and not know what to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I I would say that I haven't. I, I have a different brain, and uh, I'm mostly distracted. But I really long for. I really love the top the time you're talking about. Like that is to say, I'm distracted by people coming to me with like. Or like having meetings and they're like one back to back to back to back. And I'm like, oh, could I just get a block of three hours so I can get into flow? And like, Yeah, then we get to the open office nightmare. Like whoever yeah. did that. But I still do computer programming or later today I'm going to work on some branding stuff. And I could easily spend three or four hours. And one of the things I find interesting during those flow moments is that the first hour is actually spent on like gaining cognitive context. Like sort of just coming to terms with the constraints and the like project context. And then 
if you push through that, you come up with some bad ideas usually, or I do, and I'll struggle and there'll be a point where it's like, this isn't working. But I only ever get gains when I push through that. Like, and, and it's and in that does, third hour. Does it mean that you have to turn off distractions actively? That you really have to tell people, don't come into this room? And I haven't, don't have that problem because when I go into this flow, and it's been true since I was a child, I stop hearing anything around me and I, and I can't see like my But you can't really do down. that at your day job. Like, there's too many people asking you stuff. Um, no, I can do it at my day job. It's just whether or not I have a scheduled meeting, right? And so um, if I have a scheduled meeting, then it's like, it's suicide. So what I've started to do is what Tim Ferriss would probably uh, argue is the right thing to do is to batch your activities. So it's like all of my, you know, one-to-one meetings, which are a type of meeting a manager has, are all on Thursdays. And like there's all I all I think about on that one day yeah, is like becoming yeah. the best in the world at that thing on Thursdays. Yeah. Um, and then all my email is done before 10 a.m. and after 5 p.m., but no emailing in between. Um, but I, I hear this so much from people who work in uh, either advertising or startup world or companies or product design is that they just wish they had a little cave of their own and th- this open office idea mm-hmm. obviously is very cheap so whatever other stuff they say about open office it's it sounds just mostly a cost reduction or do you think uh, it has no benefits? no you're, yeah you're right and that's why the office architecture has like created these things called breakout rooms or like telephone booths and also work from home is yeah. what a lot of people will but, do so they'll like They'll take a day and they'll say, I'm working from home so I can actually get something done. Yeah, so that's the weird thing. Like you're yeah. in this uh, hyperactive environment, supposed to come up with ideas. and uh... Yeah. Well, that's because by uh, certain like estimations, there's some research on this. I can't re- I'll have to find the citation. But like people spend about two-thirds of their time talking about work, the work they're going to do, and about one-third <laughs> of their time actually doing the work. Oh, I'm so busy. Oh, I have so much to do. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so at least I think that's like I was watching do you know do you use any project management software like Asana or Trello or any of these? No. So that there's a whole category of software that's emerged and it's all around this problem, which is like people spend so much time organizing the work they never get a chance to actually do the work, especially when you get into teams. But the yeah, I think the core of it is that the actual work is the mm-hmm. transition from the dream to reality and it's always painful. You're like, oh, I have this great idea. It's going to be great. And as long yeah. as I'm not doing it, nobody can say, hey, that's not as cool as we thought it was. But you're absolutely right. And when you're on your own, that's easy. But when you add a second person and a third person, it, it sort of multiplies the problem. Um, yeah. And so because yeah. now you're spending a bunch of your time trying to communicate what your vision is. Um, and then vision communication, if people don't get it, then they make up their own visions. And then you have conflicts about, no, this is what we're trying to do. No, I thought we were trying to do this. Da, da, da. So there's <laughs> there, there are all kinds of tools, software, so, you know, like uh, business coaches. Like I have a... I, at work, we have a leadership like coaching team that's like trying to get a brand together for our leadership. So that we all, you know, use the same values and visions together. It, so the whole thing's quite a mess. Yeah. Really. But what's interesting is, um, as an artist, you can choose to make work about the times you live in, or more work that is about a meditative state of mind, and you can uh, that can. That can be abstract. It can be anything, or it can be uh, still lives of flowers. But you kind of can kind of remove yourself from society. And be like, mm-hmm. I'm I'm, I'm going to turn off all the input, and I'm just going to stare at this cheese and and paint it. Yeah, and that's I'm, kind of like a cliche of the artist, but yeah. 
Yeah. So, but there's other artists who are like we're leave, we're living in a hypermedia society, and so I have to take in as much as as possible, and so the distraction is the work. Mm-hmm. And then you think of someone like Nam Jung Paik, where it's a information overload is the work, and it's not yeah, that's trying the material. to yeah. to create a, a sort of meditative chamber. That's a great um, example. Or, or it's both. Yeah, it's like Agnes Martin versus Nam Jung Paik. Like Agnes <laughs> Martin famously would meditate for four or five hours before starting to paint and just start visualizing yeah. these it's almost like a yeah. ketamine trip where you start seeing grids and you're flying around and yeah whereas Namjoon Pike he would watch TV yeah, yeah. that was yeah 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 <laughs> he's like so and he'd watch the TV as always too. there's no rules it is, as mm-hmm. always in art you could do whatever you want but mm-hmm. um, I think specifically now I don't remember it from TV as much, but with the Facebook hearings and the reports that are coming out, it seems people really know that what they're looking at uh, on Instagram and Facebook is making them miserable, but you just can't Mm -hmm. put it down. That's Mm -hmm. maybe an interesting thing. Like where we clearly, same with like you leave McDonald's, you crave it before, then you have it and it's kind of okay, but not as good as you imagined. And Mm -hmm. then you leave and you feel depressed. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I was reading something that it's actually not about, um, it's, so the average attention span has gone from like 12 seconds to eight seconds, they said, or something like that. Like, but then you read stuff like, um, the average person makes up their mind about a brand in 50 milliseconds. So there's like all these crazy statistics out there, but, uh, apparently researchers say, um, from what I've heard, that's really not about attention span. The human can have an hour long attention span. It's actually all about context. And so, you know, if you're driving, your attention span on a road trip is actually quite long. Mm. <laughs> it's like, see, it's however long that, that yeah, yeah, the, ta- yeah, yeah. the task matters, right? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and like a lava lamp on a t- get your attention. Yeah, but if I can, you know, the point I'm trying to make is like, if you're sitting down to do an abstract task, like making art, the task is so ambiguous what should I be doing is part of the task <laughs> um, that distractions that seem to, you know, have a task at hand, which is like Instagram scroll. It's like Facebook scroll, or it's like advertisement click or yeah, news yeah. click. Right. Those are such easy tasks. Yeah. And the that, same with all this stuff like Slack and those are such easy tasks. Yeah. So if the yeah. task is focused and the task is well-defined, People can can maintain attention for for long periods, uh, yeah. crazy long periods. Like no one's talking about astronauts being distracted. <laughs> well, <laughs> right? they have it's internet like, now, so they might. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think so. I think like because they're like if while well, you know what they're doing requires the attention and they're interested in it. Yeah, I, um, I also I'm completely of the school of not thinking hierarchically of media. So mm-hmm. I I don't see a reason why checking Instagram is better or worse than reading Proust Mm -hmm. but just for me um, I I think my main problem with social media is that it gets really boring it's very repetitive and so I don't know I think this is a common theme for me that I keep thinking about like are books better than movies and it's like a stupid question but then very often if you've read the book and the movie comes out it's not as good Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and what I'm trying to say is, it is becoming harder to read a novel with all these distractions a, at hand, mm-hmm. and and so somewhere inside you, you know that reading the novel is going to be a more interesting experience. Yeah, and not necessarily better for your brain, but just 
deeper imaginative experience? I think more, I would really come back to the number of tasks that we're asked to do. And this is, there's some, there's some research behind this as well, which is that as automation increases, what we feel we're going to get back in terms of leisure time, right? We actually feel with more tasks. And so, yeah, yeah I think the, that's, we like to feel useful. Yeah. And so the number of tasks that humans are asked to, to complete is now at an unprecedented level. And I think that is largely enabled by automation. Like, Let's take, for example, something completely non-work related, um, but that is work actually that is usually not documented as part of the GDP of any country, but that would be like housework. And specifically, if you look at housework like cooking or cleaning, traditionally like uh, what women would have been asked to do, but now hopefully is more spread. Apparently, and this is actually, it becomes like a bit of a feminist issue, uh, as automation in the kitchen increased, it was advertised to women as like an opportunity for them to have more leisure time. But what it enabled was increasingly ambitious cooking that wouldn't have otherwise been possible mm-hmm. and therefore furthered the number of tasks that they were expected to complete within the home, where a staff of 10 yeah. might have previously been required. Now just one person can do all of the work. <laughs> you can be a French restaurant in, uh, all in one person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. your sous vide machine and your rice yeah. cooker and your slow cooker and da 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 um, so the expectations have increased as well. And, and this is something I think I've also noticed as an artist is like the expectations on me to communicate are at levels that I think are like out of control or unprecedented, right? And, like, and, and, yeah, it's also interesting the, the responsibility of the individual and the mm-hmm. larger forces at hand. And it's the same with food. It's like, well, why don't you just eat healthy? But if you can see that two thirds of the population is really suffering from a certain food fabrication... Yeah. It's it's not about individual action. It, it, if the problem is that large. Yeah. I mean, where my time's concerned that I was just, re, you know, talking about in regards to communication, I could have to talk. I'm talking to people across like, you know, four or five time zones in Europe and on like and potentially Asia or on the West Coast of the US. And it's like and they're all expecting my schedule to afford for their schedules. And we're all doing that to each other. Um, but it's really unreasonable. Like previously, we had this idea of a well-defined workday. You know, started at you know nine, ended at five. That is like totally blown out of the water now, right? Like, um, if someone's in LA, if you're going to tell them, well, you know what, I can't take calls after five, they're going to be like, what are you talking about? Like, that's you know, two p.m. here. Or if it's in Korea, they're going to be like, yeah. I mean, it's I don't fun. know. My it, it's interesting, and I think it's interesting to have both your point of view from an uh, organization with lots of people. Mm-hmm. So you, you need standard time. And my point of view is this idea kind of always on, but always o- also always off. Like I'm never really working and I'm never really not working. So mm-hmm. to me, um, this idea of flexible is really nice that if I have a Skype call with Japan at 11 p.m., yeah, but during the day i can see a movie so it i i, I would saying. rather have the flexible thing and i do, i don't feel like so much is demanded of me it's more that i can just batch things and then be yeah. like okay i need two hours to go 
But I was going to say, you're very much in control of all of the inputs and outputs. I think what changes yeah. is when there are ex- external forces. Like, yeah, so you're in an organization, so that's the difference. Yeah, like a, a coworker of mine, you know, we were working with some people in the Ukraine, and it's like, you know, something went wrong, and at 4 a.m., you know, he had to get up to fix it or whatever, you know? And I think, like... Um, there are a lot of industries and a lot of creative people that are working on these new 24-hour cycles, and it's like, not yeah, we, have, we haven't really been in this admins. place. Yeah, exactly. Like, so I know a lot of people in IT, and they, you know, there's even, they used to have this concept of a pager, and it still exists. There are even uh, apps and things that um, they refer to these pagers, you know, that you could get a page at any time, just like a, like a doctor on call, yeah. and have to be there ready to fix the server, right? Because I know the website, from doctors in my family, they still, even after they retire, they have nightmares of the pager. Yeah, yeah. Like, because I thought, we, you know, like, you know, generally, um, you know, a website has, is, like a, is like a 7-Eleven. It's open 24-7, right? Like, so you can't turn it off at 5 o'clock. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so. Yeah, I just watched uh, Ready Player One. This is um, Steven Spielberg movie about sci-fi in the near future, and uh, the world is so miserable that everybody just hangs out in VR all day. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's a little bit about well, we're all addicted to it, but we know we should. But let's get back in the game, and then finally the good guys win, and they make sure they close the VR world on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> but it, yeah, it, it it just seems to me. I I don't know. I don't know many people who are really 100% positive about social media and they're like, oh, this is really making my life better. But Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you, know I, you know, like when you meet people who um, were couch potatoes and they found fitness and they're really excited about it and there's, mm-hmm. no, there's no other side where they're like, oh, I, f- I feel more active... There's no other side. It's like, yeah, I know I'm doing too much sports and it's yeah, ruining my brain. But there are like, there are like, um, I think there are groups of people that get together and find support in online communities. And for them, Facebook and other social media has taken, um, has helped. And even early on in my career, I, I have to, you know, admit that like I felt very alone as an artist and I found others through mm. the, through social media but I think the, you uh, yeah as well. well for me it was pre-social media so um mm-hmm. it was more email and it was like hey i like your work oh cool do you want to meet up and yeah 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 exactly so um, but but it, you were on the internet before social media yeah yeah long before but i early on i don't think we, you would have called it that but it was like that like I used to dial into BBSs really yeah, back, yeah, far back yeah. in the 90s, and, and most of the time I spent chatting with It was other social. People. Yeah. Yeah, super social. But for me, uh, installing this self control app, it's really funny because all of a sudden you're so used to, after a task, it's like, oh, let's go see what's going on on RSS. Mm-hmm. I need a little break. And now all of a sudden the computer is just there to make stuff and not to read stuff. And yeah. And that really brings me back to having a computer before the internet. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like we have this illusion that online attention spans and distractions have increased. But like there's a classic study of people who uh, I can't remember what year it was in of, of, of visitors to the Met Museum in, in uh, New York. And that they would, on average, I think, spend 30 seconds per um, 
per painting in yeah. that or per artwork. Well, that and speaks when, to the power of painting. That but when they, it's, but yeah, yeah. But yeah. when they interviewed people coming out of the Met, they said like, you know, what, what was it like? And they're like, oh, it was transformative. It was magical. It was amazing. But they're like, but you only spent 30 seconds with each work. How can that be? Um, and really it was, yeah, like, the, you're maybe you're right like the the, the the painting itself is such a great communications medium that 30 seconds with a painting is a long time or something uh, yeah and i would also argue if if a painting is just one frame out of a movie normally in a movie you see a frame only for one twenty fourth or one thirtieth of a second so 30 mm-hmm. seconds is 900 times longer that you look right. at a still frame so that's not so crazy yeah. So, what, but then again, when we talk about online distractions and attention, what, we're we're in the same space, right? Like the human brain has a capacity, at least, to consume information at a higher rate than we give it credit for. I mean, yeah. when you're driving, yeah, like the example of driving, you're you're receiving information at an incredibly high rate. Or my friend who's looking at the phone and trying to have a conversation, he's able to do a lot. There's a lot of bandwidth there. But but what no. about when you're working with? Uh, and you're in a leadership role in your company. Do you ever mm-hmm. think of designing distraction-free time? Like, okay, everybody has to be in the flow at least one day of the week or yeah. four hours a day, or and we should build in more cocoons. <clears throat> but. So everyone gets like a headphone credit, and yeah, there's like, as you said, cocoons or office spaces people can use. There's also... Um, but people having their own office is too expensive? It's not that. It's that a lot of the work is collaborative or needs, you might need someone's attention. And okay. Then it's like, there's a weird social awkwardness. Also, that takes up a lot of space. For 300 people, that would require like twice as much space as we currently use. Yeah, so it's um, expensive. Yeah. Yeah, there is an expense probably tied to it. But you'd still need to have meeting rooms for meeting together. So you'd have to have together space. And then you'd also have to have alone space. And it's like, ugh. I don't know. The the thing we've tried on occasion that I found really irritating, actually, but maybe it's a good idea, was like this concept of wordless Wednesdays. You know, Wednesdays being the middle of the week, and on a Wednesday, on a few occasions, people have tried, especially developers, to institute this idea that you can't speak to them. But it would get to this ridiculous point where it's like, you were like, uh, I don't know if I can solve this problem on a Wednesday because it like you know yeah. working around that was really awkward but it is it, it is interesting that you need these kind of rules so if if I said to myself okay I'm going to try to for me it was really a problem the social media thing so it, it, it it's really clear to me that I have more good ideas if I don't have social media so mm-hmm. and then it's like okay well I'll just do it a little bit less and so right. the same for the developers they're like okay on Wednesdays just talk to me a little bit less and a little bit less is very hard to define. So zero is much easier to enforce <laughs> than a little bit less. That's true. So I can see the, the, the challenge there where it's like, okay, you can only ask me three questions on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Or it, this it's three question Wednesday. It's two question Wednesday. It's like, no, that, where's your quota? But this question is really important. <laughs> do, you want any, do you want any mustard on your sandwich? Okay, where's the second question? <laughs> Shall I interject uh, just on the topic with an ad? Like uh, speaking of yeah. uh, interruptions, um, yeah. we're, we're at the halfway mark. Do 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 ad time. So this is actually not in any ad format, um, but we wanted we didn't get an ad, uh, but we remembered that uh, we were just desperate of, for ads, so we made well, one. One of our listeners did send in uh, that they were working on a, on a project and they wanted to spread the word about it. And so we, we thought, is there anyone we can help out today? So we're here. Here we go. So I wanted to share the news with you. I just launched a new Kickstarter to expand the product. Uh, and this product is a, a deck of, of strategy, brand strategy, graphic 
storytelling and business design decks, um, an improved design and a Spanish edition of this deck of uh, creative thinking cards, basically. I would really appreciate if you take a look, help me spread the word and um, and back it if you like. So go to bit.ly, that's B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash triggers cards. Um, and thanks and keep up the good word with uh, the work with Good Point. Still my favorite podcast. This is from... Uh, Alejandro, thank you. Um, he thank signs you his for name. Your ad. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you for your ad. And uh, go back the Kickstarter. Actually, he sent me a deck of these cards. They're beautiful. Um, before he translated them to Spanish, and you can use them with your creative team, or with your brand team, or your storytelling team, or whoever yeah, you're working on. Maybe uh, get that collaboration. That's actually one thing we haven't talked about, which is like um, getting. You know, the, you're you've been talking about attention in terms of the attention of the individual yeah but working with groups, I, I mean there's a I famous know. example of, of craft work uh, which I'm sure you love as well but they they had their studios uh, they had their own studio they didn't work in a external studio the, mm-hmm. the famous Kling Klong studios and they had a rule there was a telephone but it, they would only answer it between 4.30 and 5 or whatever 30 minute interval the rest of the day mm-hmm. it was unplugged so you knew if you wanted to talk to craft work it had to be in those 30 minutes. Oh, interesting. And so it, it was really clear to them that a phone ringing while you're trying to make music is not helpful. Yeah, I was going to say, though, like, I mean, that does remind me, by the way, there are all kinds of tools. We, sh- we should probably do a dump of tools like that allow you to do that, like one I use for yeah. the same thing. But as, it, uh, it, it's, it's so funny that um, everybody invented these tools that would give you more leisure time, and then on top of that, you have to invent all these tools to... To curb these tools and yeah, yeah. well, the, my favorite tool for that, like the Kling Klong tool that you just or the Craftwork tool that you just mentioned, is called Calendly. Calendly, and it allows you to like it's just a link, and then people can like book calendar time and preset blocks. But most yeah. of my because I spend so much time in back and the forth on email, just like so the the app like, knows oh, when there when there are gaps in your calendar, and then gives yeah, the you option kinda to just, the users. You kinda, you kind of preset favorite times or sync it to your calendar. And yeah. then, yeah. Mo- like, uh, I know I've saved a lot of people's lives with that app. Anyway, I just wanted to get that out there. It's super yeah. easy to use. Yeah, um, I mean, there's so many productivity apps, and then that be- can become a distraction that you're addicted to research and productivity apps. But yeah. yeah. But the thing I wanted to get to is actually that we've been talking about individual focus and individual attention. and um, But what about group attention? And I, I've worked in a workshop context uh, quite a few times, and, and I wonder if you have too, and also in like learning environments. And one thing I know is that um, this is actually quite a difficult task as well, which is like um, when you're one to many or many to many, there are different rules and you know in terms of getting work done that are le- are less about the individual and m- like more about the organism and i, yeah, I wonder and if- especially if you're a performance artist well yeah that too sometimes i'm engaging with 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 my audience one of the rules i was going to say around all education is this idea have you ever heard of it of 70 20 10 no which I, is that, yeah no. 70% of learning happens on, in a task like environment so when you're actually doing the thing 20% actually happens through social exchange, so actual collaboration with other human beings. And 10% happens from reading or lectures or hearing something directly. Um, but it's that 20% that I'm really interested in, which is like the peer-based learning. And one thing I've found from teaching workshops uh, and stuff is people get really disengaged or um, 
uninterested when it's one to many, like the 10%. The lecture thing, there's like a plateau yeah. of yeah, attention. Yeah. And it's like, it's no more than 30 minutes I after remember, which people like yeah. fall off a cliff. I remember from learning software in, in technical classes in art school that you learn the most while you're trying to do something and the person next to you knows one thing and you know the other and you exchange those two nuggets mm-hmm. and you remember those very well. You're like, how do I make this tween go up and down? Like, oh, just, yeah. 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 And so the, if you, what's really important in learning environments is that you get <clears throat> those 20, you get that to that 20% and then that you get to the 70% ultimately. So you do need to get people actually hands-on learning. Yeah. But that 20, that peer learning thing is really interesting because often what we'll do is it's not the whole group. That's also inefficient. What I've found, and I'd love to hear from other teachers and things and people have figured this out, but by breaking people off into smaller units, no more than like three, two or three people, you and then bringing that learning back to the group, the, the pair is way better than... Yeah. If you have five people trying but to decide I, I, on something... I guess it depends per person and you just have to try... Well, I was just thinking about this podcast too because you've all we've we've always resisted. We've talked about it, adding a third person, but you know we've really dis- I've resisted up, other people resist- mostly for recording technical issues because I, <clears throat> I just know that, and also scheduling. Like scheduling with three people is so much harder than with two people. Yeah, there's a level of complexity that's yeah. like exponential after two. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the sweet spot number is, but I do know that in I also hate conference calls. So. Well, in corporate environments, they cap collaboration. Doesn't get better after eight people. It actually gets worse. So, like, you, it's have you ever heard of the one pizza rule that, Am- that oh, pizza yeah, they yeah. had at Amazon? Yeah, right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah like throwing know. more developers at the problem actually slows it down. Well, just so our listeners know, the one pizza rule is: yeah, no, no team can be bigger than um, it takes to feed them with one pizza. So mm. I don't know. It depends that on how depends hungry which, your team is. Uh, which country you are. Which <laughs> yeah, right, state. right, yeah. right. In America, it's actually the ten pizza rule. I know it's funny <laughs> that it came out <laughs> in America. Oh, um, but that's I, so mean, Jeremy. What? Kristen and I eat one large pizza together, the two of us. So it could be two people, but I think it's supposed to be like four or five people. Yeah. Um, but a team of four is like is actually pretty efficient. A team of eight becomes difficult, but and you it, have to specialize roles in that in that world as well. And if we talk about the economics of attention, I want to yeah. move to that a little bit. So okay, let's y- do. You've always been. It seems that your intuition is to uh, embrace the future. Mm-hmm. In general. Yeah, I like the future. Yeah, and a, a <laughs> lot of people. I think I'm a little bit in the middle. Like I'm always excited about new stuff, but I, I'm also a little bit like mm, they're trying to sell me something, and it's probably lame. And then yeah. there's other people who are like. They miss bookstores, they miss the physical newspaper, and they think that the world is going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's the lagger. You're describing different... Um, there's the early adopter. That's yeah. The, yeah, there's, there's, like, there's different there's ways of, to market these people. Yeah, yeah like you're the, main, you're the mainstream, I think, yeah. or main street user. And yeah. then I think there's the laggard. But yeah, keep going. Yeah, but so knowing you're in the business of you're not really in business of attention but you know a lot about user interface and how that grabs people's attention but are you when when social media came around were you immediately excited and are you more seeing the bad sides like how people can get depressed with envy or how they can get into this useless distraction or are you still very positive about it uh I mean, I'm very positive in general that that when there's a problem, there's so many people, including myself and teams, 
so many hundreds of teams of people that are just like so excited when they hear about there's a problem and it's a problem on a massive scale. Um, however, you know that that. But if you if, see the tendency of of uh, what the the way um, apps, specifically apps on mobile, just are geared yeah. towards overuse. Yeah, I mean, generally speaking, the problem has been, though, that these apps don't solve a problem for the user. They solve a problem for the advertiser. Yeah, And yeah. so I think that that's like... It's But are you worried about it? I'm not worried because I think people... I think there's enough design talent in the world, enough like creative talent, enough uh, development talent that they'll see. Okay, well, what if we created? And there's there are apps like Diaspora. I haven't used it, but that are like alternative social networks for that are not yeah, about advertising. But we know that doesn't work. Let's be well real. because of network. Effect, no, uh, be, because let me put it this way: I, I, we're both in the business of of computer <laughs> entertainment, and uh, so. Yeah. Uh, We're more aware than uh, the average person who's not creating content for the, those platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, what I mean is that even for me, as I'm super aware, it took me five years to get to a point of like, okay, I've had to put all these boundaries. Yeah. And so what I mean is that most people, even growing up now, it, I don't know what the outcome will be, but if you have these companies that have the most brain power in the world, they have all the resources to get the smartest people to make their product being used more. Mm-hmm. That's a very tough fight. Like it, I, I think, for example, the iPhone on a system level could have a time lock on apps. And you could uh, say like, okay, I can only mm-hmm. use social media for 30 minutes a day. But, but they're, why they're would they? Because think, the, yeah. then you're like, oh, I don't need the new iPhone because I'm hardly using it. So You're right, because the measurements are key. It, it's similar to the cigarette yeah. industry or the sugar industry. I, I'm I'm not even. This is not my position. I'm I'm paraphrasing where the 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 general dialogue is going. No, no, you're right. Or I mean, you're kind of repeating my usually like Marxist position on this. But like, yeah, of course, the incentives of, incentives of capitalism are always going to be growth, and the performance indicators are all about are all incentivizing that. You're right about like sugar water. What's like how many bottles, not how little sugar can we put in? And and it's also if if one company takes a step back, then the other company wins. Yeah, but I so mean, if I think, Facebook is like, hey, we're going to be the wholesome. Uh, Uh, yeah. a, a health food company, social media, then Snapchat is going to be like, oh, we're going to turn it, turn the dial and it's going to be the, even cooler. Yeah, the point I've been trying to make recently, though, is it's really like patronizing, I think. And it's like, I think it's selling all of us short to believe that there are that we couldn't incentivize alternatives. And I say this because like there are there's a growing movement and I've said it on the podcast before around cooperative platforms some of the some of the parts of uh, of the internet that we celebrate the most like wikipedia and stuff are built cooperatively um and there's no incentive there's no one competing against it you know like have you ever used the subway system in moscow Ugh, this yeah is gonna make me look bad but like because it's built on slave labor but still like it's like i remember one it of being the best. very loud i was only there for a few days but it's like one of the best it's the best subway systems in the world uh, you haven't um, been to tokyo have i not hmm It's very I'm, funny to me when people say such and such is the best system in the world, and they clearly like. Actually, I'm going like, to back off this. Like someone, someone who, Soviet someone who thing. goes to, uh, um, someone who goes to Norway, and they're like, "Wow, this is the best chocolate in the world." It's like, have you been to Switzerland? <laughs> well, no, yeah. I'm going to actually, I'm going to back off of that statement, generally speaking. But the idea being that, like, 
and that's a bad example, I think, too, because like there's a lot of slave labor that was used in, in the, <laughs> the, the point I was trying to make, though, is just that like by working cooperatively without a financial incentive, we can achieve great things. Um, but are you really seeing like the, the, there were attempts of um, more um, healthy social networks and it hasn't really mm-hmm. caught on, has it? Uh, yeah, but that's uh, that's why I mentioned this like the net that network effect. Like the value of a network is only as yeah. great as the number of connections and number of people in the network. So, um, if you don't get this critical mass, then <clears throat> the network itself doesn't actually yeah, provide it, the it, value. It's funny because it, this is a bit like finding an antidote, but it's basically we need another social network to curb the current social. Network. But what if the antidote is just less screen time and and I ha- just think that's already happening. Like I I just think like I yeah. think we're I, at least I'm noticing my, my use is like declining. I'm reading statistics that among younger people it's declining. And it's okay. like, so yeah, yeah, I can't more speak for others, but for me, can, that's true. Yeah, yeah, like what's coming next is kind of the question I've been asking. Like, what you know, because it, there's a certain novelty maybe that I, we're all into. It. Well, you know, imagine the telephone when it first came out. Right, like talking by voice to people, yeah, it was like an exciting thing, right? Like, but what now you loathe a telephone call, yeah. In but, fact, but I'm in telephone conferences where I want to hang myself because it's like so torturous. What, <laughs> right? what, what it is to me, in uh, just the, on the personal level, yeah, there's the balance between consuming content and creating content, mm-hmm. and to me, it's very clear that the less I consume, the more I create, and it makes me happier. And I don't know, I don't really have an argument why creating is better than consuming. I think there's plenty of content out there, so why would you have to create anything? It's just mm-hmm. for me personally, um, and I know that a lot of people struggle with it. I, I know I'm not the only one who's like, man, I wish I was not so distracted. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying you can invent other stuff, but it, it it's very similar to obesity. Yeah, I know I should be eating more vegetables, but this fried chicken mm-hmm. is so good. Right. And And so... It, it, this is why I have a hard time talking about politics because at the same time I believe in individual freedom so it, it, that people should eat whatever they want and at the same time the problem is so big that it can't be uh, solved by any individual mm. that's maybe it, it, yeah but it, at the, ultimately it has to be because every individual needs yeah but it's like right, cigarettes right? like it, it does help when you say you can't smoke indoors and, and you can't smoke in hospitals and you can't smoke in uh, uh, you know that, that, that kind of uh, collective decision did help mm-hmm. to reduce smoking no it's a good point that's a good point um, but it's, yeah, it's more complex when it's like and smoking is such a specific thing it's like okay you have a, a little cancer stick that you put in your mouth it's very different from like oh I'm, I'm working on my phone I'm a social media manager so I have to use it mm-hmm. um, yeah I guess the, the, you know, the question is is there an alternative because which comes back to my point which is like new alternatives might emerge but maybe the only alternative is not using which is what you've decided to do and you're even like forcing that Um what you might be implying, which is a fun thought experiment, is like, what if governments actually like forcefully limited the amount of time you could use certain applications? Yeah, you know, I don't think that. You know, I, I think it's too tricky because then you can be like, well, you can start a social network in Google Docs. Like, it's well, kind of a forum. So if you limit yeah. Facebook, then people will switch to Google Docs, and that's a productivity software. But you can still post links to videos there. 
I don't know. Like there are plenty of like the banking system has been highly regulated and completely unregulated at different times. No, I like, think that the, I guess the types of regulations they're talking freedom. about is like where where you save the data and where does ad money come from. But I don't think you can regulate how much time people spend on a website. How much time they access it. Well, I was yeah. just thinking that they already do that with certain types of content that like people have deemed either morally or ethically ambig you know, not um, not savory or yeah. like immoral. Um, I think the more like we're can, talking about it, uh, I, I would be on the side that the here the individual has to take action, and maybe maybe education and offering of tools is the way to go. Well, I was just thinking like children are usually like explicitly limited to like one or two hours of computer time, right? That's like a very normal thing for parents to do. At some point, we decide the person has enough autonomy and self control. The, that they're like they too could be a parent and therefore like it's really ironic that the parent and themselves can't follow the same rules that they apply yeah. to the child but um <laughs> hey like, I'm, I'm ordering stuff on amazon somebody's gonna do it <laughs> <laughs> i can only imagine though that like uh and this is me putting on like my hopeful instead of dystopic lens that like as we verge further and further away from screen-based interfaces though some people would argue we're probably just going to verge toward more screens maybe that um, the lot, you know, that the decisions we make and and the lives we have are less and less the computer interfering and more and more the computer kind of complementing. But the the question I always have is a fundamental one in that world, which is like, what jobs are we doing? <laughs> because yeah, yeah, yeah. as you said earlier, the, what has happened is on the computer, you know, your job is inside that machine. It almost never exists outside that machine anymore. Um, and therefore, the distraction and the job and everything, and you're talking about Ready Player One, is pretty much already virtualized. And so, like, if you're to try and get it off of the screen, what is the new virtualization of that work environment? What, what, how would that function? You know, like, um, there's no such thing as this idea of sitting down with a piece of paper to do your job. It's just not well, possible. I'm not sure because I, I um, yeah, I, I, I was, if you if you're someone who has to come up with ideas, then you don't need the screen at the moment of coming up with the idea. But I guess most people are doing work that requires the computer at all times. But I can imagine interfaces in the future where you're like, okay, let's say, you know, whatever it is, whether it's augmented reality or something like that, you're like, okay, Jeeves, uh, like, it's time for me to work. And Jeeves will be like, great, I'll shut down all your social media for you. And yeah, like I'm flight booting- mode. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I'm booting up your creative suite and like your whole environment changes around. You're like, now I'm in my creative suite. And you're like, "Uh, Jeeves, Jeeves, actually, uh, uh, I'd like. (laughs) (laughs) I need a screenshot of this movie. Let's go on YouTube. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I got to get on YouTube, Jeeves. And and Jeeves like. Just a little more, please. Remember what we talked about. (laughs) It's like one to two hours of screen time. (laughs) So Jeeves becomes the parent. This is probably what's going to happen because you're already doing it, which is you're going to delegate this responsibility over, you know, your urges to some kind of a a personal assistant. Well, I I do think it's unique, the the idea of one machine that does everything. So it Mm -hmm. it used to be, well, the entertainment is in the living room and the work is in the study. Mm -hmm. And that line has blurred. Yeah, and the other yeah. the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, if you make political art, then I guess it pays off to watch the news. But for any other type of stuff, <laughs> it's so terrifying and it's so what, attention like the 24, grabbing. Twenty four hour news, like yeah, I mean, but and 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 there's a crisis at all times. Yeah. So 
how can you be like, well, I think I want to uh, paint some lilies today. And it's like, no, but the world is on fire and at all yeah. times. So that's we all we all know the answer to all of these things is like to go on a camping trip. <laughs> just like you go whatever do you do you're doing right now go somewhere else for like a, even just for a weekend and you'll come back and yeah, you'll be like I disagree. oh yeah what was I what was I worried about again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well like, I, I, speaking, I think I think if you have to build in two weeks of the year to I th- I think it would be better if it's every day that you have a period of focus but well first of all i don't want to diminish that you know you a lot of people have problems that affect them day in and day out so they get up and they don't have a choice about whether they're confronted with a problem and 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 certainly i'm not saying that they could just go on a camping trip um but generally what i'm saying is the whatever context you're in whatever panic you're in i was just in one like a couple days ago it can usually be resolved or quite often be resolved by shifting the context. You know, we were talking about the task and context earlier, but context is often, you know, it, it's like there's this old, there's this saying, right? Like if you do the same thing, why would you expect a different result? Yeah. Like the definition mm-hmm. of crazy is someone who does the same thing um, and expects a different result. Is that the saying? Anyway, but like you shouldn't, you should expect that if you do the same thing, you're going to get the same result. So if you don't change something, don't expect a different result. And the, the 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 thing that was interesting that you talked about is like, okay, if we can clear out all the distraction, what is it that you want to do? So, it, mm-hmm. I I, f- I feel like a lot of people, including myself, are like, I'm sick of these distractions, so you turn them all off. Yeah. And so I'll turn everything off, and I'm like, okay, I have six hours of uh, internet free time, and then I start sketching, and I feel like I made enough for the day, but there's still four hours left. Mm-hmm. And that's kind yeah. of it's kind of what, what I'm trying to yeah. say. For here's an example: my parents are retired, and they were used to having a very busy work schedule, and now they don't. And so now the news is on all day. So they watch the BBC, and then the Belgian news, and then the Dutch news, and watch the weather. And I'm there. I'm just I never have the TV on, and definitely not the news. And it's like wow. This so you you worked your whole life to have uh, uh, economic safety, so you can do whatever you want. Mm. And then what happens? Well, let's watch what's going wrong with the world all day. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean that's because you don't have anything else to talk about. I think I would assume like. If you're working, you have a lot of context to your. My point earlier in this podcast was the brain actually has a very high capacity for thought process for processing information and for thinking critically, and very seldom are we using its full capacity. And so, all these <laughs> That's a movie Lucy, you're only using twelve percent of your brain. <laughs> what if we could unleash everything? But and so we 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 seek to you overwhelm should really it, work and in, we, in in. But every time we get really overwhelmed, some whoa, 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 pill. We went too far. Yeah. <laughs> but we always then go too far and then we're like, oh, how do we dial it back, right? Like it's just the, like I think as human beings we're we're incapable of finding balance because we actually don't seek balance. We seek out the extremes, then that's what reminds it's us more what, exciting. You know, well, I think it's also what helps us find our center, right? Like how many pe- people have you met? Like I have I have a cat, you know, this new cat, Scully. She's a kitten. She's exploring the outer reaches of what's physically possible for a cat right now. She's like jumping off of bookshelves. She's like doing backflips off the walls, like, <laughs> you know, and but she's going to mature into a cat that wants to sleep most of the time. She's going to be like, look, I, I know the extremes now. Right. Like I understand everything there is to know. And uh, I decided sleeping's better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 but it is interesting. It, it, um, 
I always like food analogies, but for the cat, you set the boundaries with food. But imagine for the cat if you just had a, a buffet of bacon <laughs> and fish and the cat could just eat whatever it wants at all time of the day. And so there, yeah. it, 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 like it, we often give uh, cats and dogs dry food, right? Like those, uh, or what do you give the cat? Yeah, we're just giving a dry pellet. Yeah. So imagine you had an overlord who just says, you're getting these granola protein dry things with a little bit of water next to it all day, every day. We've, we've yeah. optimized your food, but you can smell that your master is eating bacon <laughs> and you're like, eating these dry granola protein clusters. And then, uh, yeah. I, I'm just I saying that, that the, would, cat, uh, the cat would not reach this equilibrium without the master. Without, yeah, well, that's what we've been talking about this whole podcast, which is a very like weird place to have gotten, but like that a certain amount of too much autonomy can result in too much distraction and constraints that are either imposed or that might otherwise, because I think constraints are really important to the creative process, can actually help yeah. you be more uh, and, creative and I, I think or focused. Um, it's been a journey for me to reach... Uh, spending the time the way I want. So you finish art school and you still have a day job and uh, you do some educational stuff, you teach a little bit. And I always say as an artist, reaching full-time art, that's the goal. The rest is details. Whether you make 10,000 or 100,000 or a million, you get some toys extra. But the real goal is to spend time the way you want. But mm-hmm. I also realize spending time the way you want... Um, it's not it's not fun. It's 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 meaningful and important, but it's not fun. It's not fun yeah, in the you have way no constraints. Yeah, but it's not fun in the same way that uh, going on vacation with a group of people, going hiking and uh, camping, and uh, like that's pure fun. Mm-hmm. But sitting down and thinking, oh, I have to come up with something great every day. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly the, and I, I know if you speak to a lot of artists, it's like art making is, is painting fun. Is writing fun? It's no, it's when it's done, that's a nice feeling, but the actual mm-hmm. making is not so fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I waffle from it's being, it's total fun to it's total torture. And, uh, I, you know, actually right now, I think the torture that I have is like making a choice about there's a lot of little choices, as you know, that go into every work, right? Where you're trying to decide what the constraints will be for the exercise. And that process of like designing your own straitjacket, I find quite torturous mm-hmm. <laughs> because it's like, because you, kn- you know, you have to do it. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you have to focus your activity or else it will spiral out of control and you won't, you know, and you won't ever get to that place that you're talking about where you feel good. But I mean, I so I'm 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 there quite often, and I'm there right now, probably on a few things. And you're right; it's it's absolutely horrible. And you think, why did I even? Why was I ever excited <laughs> about this? You try and remember <laughs> desperately. You, I remember when I was pitching this idea. I thought it was, <laughs> what, what was in what was going through my head. Uh, but uh, but eventually you see it again, and it's this cycle that you go through: this like ebbing and flowing uh, yeah, between. Mm-hmm. You know, both so maybe it's fine that we have these uh, software overlords that dictate how we spend our time, and we're like pets of the. <laughs> I hope that's not our good point for today. Uh, we're Zuckerberg. Should thank pets. Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, <laughs> King, King Zuckerberg deserves. Thank you to for be filling my day with uh, pictures of lattes. <laughs> yeah, thank you. 
Well, anyway, uh, I, I don't know if I have much, did, more, to, uh, did, much, did, much more to give. Did you, uh, how did you feel about the hearings? Did you like Mark Zuckerberg more or less after seeing them? Um, I mean, I like that he wore this branded blue suit. I thought that was very funny. It made me chuckle. Mm. And that uh, he tried to joke around a little bit, tried to human. You could see he'd been coached. You know, they tried yeah, to humanize yeah, yeah. him a little bit. I like that question. Um, I was like, Mr. Zuckerberg, uh, would you share with us the hotel you stayed at and the last 10 people you texted? <laughs> yeah, he's like, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, there was some real like uh, campaigning. Like it was almost seemed a little bit more like a circus than uh, actually productive conversation. Yeah, yeah. It, but, but him as a person, you, it, I still find it so interesting that he seems to me like the last person who would use Facebook if he didn't create Facebook. Oh, yeah. But like, I think it's true of a lot of people like you and I that are just talking about like the merits and yeah, but like uh, Elon Musk, I would imagine would drive a a Tesla, even if he didn't make it. I don't know. He's also you know come out against artificial intelligence, uh, uh, you know. So yeah, that's true. Despite investing heavily in autonomous cars, I'm not certain. I think like. I mean, I, I'm really not a huge like proponent of, of Elon Musk, but I think if you're thinking critically, you're thinking about, you're always thinking about both the positive and negative of everything, and there can never really be one position. Otherwise, you're yeah. kind of being didactic, or yeah, yeah, yeah. that's really where it becomes like it's boring. Mm. <laughs> it's like, um, and not really human at all because every human has a right to a different position or point of view, and. Sometimes that can be really difficult because there can be harmful points of view, but ultimately it helps the other side understand their own point of view. And I don't know, there's like, I like to think about everything as interfaces, right? Like you can either let the interface use you or you can kind of respond to it. And yeah, I think the conversation is more interesting than the, uh, than the idea that one person is right or there's one uniform way of control. Yeah, but, but I do think in retrospect, some things were obviously wrong. And so if, if you now look back and see uh, oh, yeah. little recordings of, of lawyers saying, oh no, cigarettes are fine. They actually improve your focus and you become a better writer and uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, it's like, what is, what is wrong is when you know that what you're doing is wrong and you do it anyway. <laughs> that, that would be my And definition. you defend it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You well, that's it. the sign of addiction, I guess. You know what's not wrong? The mo- yeah, steel drums. Steel drums. <laughs> <laughs> steel drums, so right. Uh, absolutely. Uh, as you know, I'm a big fan of steel drums. Yeah. And so you recorded I, some steel I was, drums for me. I was uh, on the subway and uh, had to change at Union Square Station, and I was lucky enough to listen to... There's always good musicians on Union Square Station, and a few in, in different mm-hmm. corners of the station. And then this guy was playing the steel drums with a little bit of uh, backing track, and then he's playing playfully on top of that. And I know that is at your wedding, energe- is there more en- is there more energetic station than the Union Station before? No, because they have like, dancing and performance and music, everything, and yeah. just every and all of and it's like the most most number of like transit like uh, transfer. I guess Times Square is really too. big too, but I don't remember as many performers at, at Times Square Station. Whoa! Uh oh! What was that? <laughs> I don't know. Was that Something the cat? To- could, be, could be cat related. <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, but yeah, I that did was have, not a I sound effect. <laughs> I did also have steel drums at my wedding. Yeah, exactly. So I, I I heard the steel drums and I was like, oh, this is perfect for the podcast. I love the sound of steel drums. Yeah. So let's listen to steel drums and uh, see you all next week. It's the sound of the summer. Steel drums. Bye bye. Bye everyone. Bye-bye. Keep sending in your field recordings. Thank you for listening. Bye.